The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright, the power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected, a place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules in beautiful La Quinta, California. Wow, after a really hot summer here in the desert, the weather is breathtakingly beautiful and it's so cool and comfortable. I am so living in paradise and I am so grateful. Oh my goodness, life is good. So tonight we have an incredible, mind-blowing show about vaccinations and autism. We have author Kent Heckenlively, who is a lawyer and a science teacher. Kent's family was struck by autism of his first child and then his second child. He began researching about vaccinations, and not only did he find the cause and the greed behind the vaccinations, but he also found some cures. His book entitled Inoculated, How Science Lost Its Soul in Autism is absolutely brilliant. It is so powerful and so, so important for every person on this planet to know. This is a book that is an eye-opener. So, how does this play into the law of attraction, you ask? <laughs> well, I'm so glad you asked that question. So let me dive into the law of attraction first. Back on December 21st, 2012, the world was supposed to end, remember? <laughs> I had Carl Johan Kaliman on my show, and Kaliman is a Swedish scientist who was a major researcher of the Mayan calendar. Looking back on this four-year-old interview, I can see that now I better understood what Kaliman was trying to tell us. You see, the 2012 date represented the end of an era. From 2012, the truth started coming out about everything publicly, like the truth about fluoride, the pineal gland, big pharma, the cancer scam, and now the truth is being revealed about vaccinations and mercury and what it's doing to our babies. Even the political structure has changed due to the vast amount of information that is flowing out. Look at WikiLeaks. This is an amazing time to be alive. Four years ago, when people really started questioning the accuracy of the mainstream media, the majority started to turn away from corporate news agencies and began to go towards alternative news, which started the awakening of the masses. As you can see, the year 2012 marked the beginning of the golden age of enlightenment and abundance. This is what the Mayans were really trying to tell us through their calendar. It also began that there was a huge shift in consciousness away from the individual to the we consciousness. 
We know that the movie and the book, The Secret, empowered us to realize our individual power first, to create and manifest things in our life through the energy that surrounds us. That's what we needed to know first and foremost, how powerful we were and we are on an individual basis. Now, just four years in, we have emerged into our we consciousness where we are creating for the greater good of not only the world but for the galaxy the majority of people in all countries are pulling away from the established wave thought that we must have a ruling government to control our lives our money our medicine and our everyday existence today we are moving into new thought waves in which we are free and no one no one has power over us because individually we are powerful and collectively we are exceptionally powerful. The last four years has produced a wealth of information that has awakened the masses and even more is coming out today. This is all good if we just open our eyes. The truth will set us free. For me, I turned away from reading and listening to the uh, media accounts to instead tuning in to my intuition as to what news felt right. Today, we must break away from those who want to manipulate what we think and use our intuition to bring clarity into every news story. If I'm not sure of a story, I research until my intuition tells me what it is that makes me feel good. I don't always like the answer, but if I don't know the truth, how can I create something that's better? That's what we're here for, to create something better. The contrast is a necessary component in which to grow from. It's time to acknowledge that which doesn't work is bringing us the opportunities to create things that do work. And tonight, it's all about becoming aware about vaccination and what it's doing to our babies. So I want you to sit back and relax. Don't get upset or insulted. Just take in this information and decide what you want to accept. What feels good for you at the moment? Remember, the truth will set you free. And the name of the game, especially on this show, is knowing the truth so that you can create something better. Let's take a fast break and we'll be right back with Kent Heckin' Lively, and his latest and greatest book, Inoculated, How Science Lost Its Soul in Autism. Did you know that every human uses only a small portion of their powerful mind? Jules Johnson, International Certified Hypnotherapist, wants to introduce you to your powerful mind in order to create your dream life. In as little as one session, Jules guides you into releasing limiting beliefs that keep you from achieving wealth, health, better relationships, and even true love. Schedule a session in Palm Springs or set up a Skype video session for those nationally and internationally. 
Jules would love to serve as your guide into living your dreams. Go to creativeguidedimagery.com or call 951-201-2166. That's creativeguidedimagery.com. Okay, we are back. Now get ready for some very powerful information. I want to introduce Kent Heckenlively, who is a lawyer turned science teacher. Kent told me before the interview that he was a lawyer for 15 years and it simply didn't lend itself to really helping people because of the broken system. So he found a way to literally make a dramatic difference in the world. My goodness, his book reveals incredible, life-changing information, and it will change the world. I do believe everything happened to him to achieve what he came here to accomplish, and I'm so extremely grateful for what he is exposing. I'm just sorry that he had to go through some really tough challenges with his own babies. In the next few months, you will be hearing Kent Heckenlively on many interviews and even the Jenny McCarthy show. And I really am requesting that you help in getting this information out to all of your friends and family. His book is a fantastic read full of really incredible documented information and I think every person needs to know about. Well, welcome, Kent, to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I think that this is probably going to be one of the most important radio shows that I've ever done within my 10 years of broadcasting. And I am so delighted to be able to bring you and this book to all of the listeners. So welcome, Kent. I I so appreciate you being on today. Thank you, Jules, and I'm really excited to be with you. So, uh, Kent, your book, Inoculated, How Science Lost Its Soul in Autism, just was released uh, November, the beginning of November. How, How did you get involved into writing about the vaccinations, which is a very controversial issue? How did you get involved in it? Well, I got involved in it uh, personally because I have a daughter who has very severe autism and a son who I rescued from autism. And to just give you a little bit of background, so uh, my wife and I had our first child, a daughter, and as we look back at it, we think that she was damaged by her six-month vaccinations. And we really didn't connect it to vaccines at all. We'd heard the stories and, you know, we didn't believe them. We just thought, you know, we got unlucky. And then our son came along. And for reasons unrelated to autism, we kept him on a hypoallergenic milk formula until he was about 15 months old. And then I actually had the experience of taking my son to his 18-month pediatrician's visit. And because I thought the pediatrician might have missed something at my son's at my daughter's six-month uh, checkup, 
Uh, my son went through a full developmental checkup for his 18-month uh, visit. He passed with flying colors. He had 15, 20 words. He was looking appropriately. And then uh, he got his shots, and three days later, he was mute and pounding his head on the floor. Oh, and man. luckily, just by the grace of God, I uh, ran across the gluten casein-free diet, and within about three or four days of him going mute, I put both my kids on the uh, gluten casein-free diet, and after 12 days, my son said his first word again, and uh, my wife's a speech therapist, and she always says how it seems like our son took about a year for uh, to catch up in language with his peers, two years for his sensory problems to go away, but then he entered kindergarten, and he was a completely normal child, and he's 16 years old, has his driver's license now, and he's on the track team at high school, and, you know, my daughter's still very severely affected, so, you know, for those of uh, people out there who said that, you know, oh, it's just a coincidence that this happens. Well, uh, it was the coincidence of a doctor's visit and then the coincidence of changing his diet and getting him back. So, uh, you know, after that happened, it was just sort of, you know, I really had no choice. It was like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, this is what you're going to do. And, and I don't care how many years it takes, but uh, you're going to fight this thing and you're going to beat it. And you are now becoming a hero to every mother and father in the world. Um, I myself am a great-grandmother, and I have a six-month-old great-grandson, and he just got his shots. And they force it here in California. You have to get them. They did say that the diphtheria shot... Uh, was not mandatory, but all of the other shots, they threaten, if you don't do this, they're going to take the child away from you. Uh, that's just terrible. They, they shouldn't do that. In, in fact, that actually, legally, I don't think that's true um, because the, the law that exists right now, SB 277, is for access to public education starting at the age of five. So I would really research that some more because – uh, a lot of these doctors and nurses will actually lie to parents and say things like that, um, and it's just not true. So do parents have an option today? or uh, Because in, here in California, they won't let a child go into public school unless they are vaccinated. Then keep your kid out of school. I agree with that. Uh, um, it, but, you know, I mean, here's one of the things that I – want to say is, you know, so now I've been on this journey for about 15 years. And what I think is going to come out, uh, um, if we can get to the truth, is I think vaccines are really exceptionally dangerous for children under the age of three years old, because the immune system isn't fully developed. I think there's a decent argument to be made for vaccines among a, uh, uh, you know, immunologically developed human being. Um, I think there's less of an argument to be made as we age. Um, So I'm not saying there's no place for vaccines, but the entire system has become so unbalanced that the the entire system right now needs a complete overhaul. Um, You know, and the Hippocratic Oath is first do no harm. And we're doing incredible amounts of harm to our population. Uh, Is this due to money? You know, I I think that 
and the the thing that I really want to impress upon your listeners and the approach I took in this book is I think that there was one very specific thing that happened uh, 30 years ago, which has completely unbalanced the system. And it was the passage of something called the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which removed vaccines from the traditional civil court system and put them in a special court um, in Washington, D.C. The rules of evidence are completely different. So let me just break it down very simply. So let's say you go to make toast in the morning and your toaster catches fire and burns down part of your house. Well, you can sue the manufacturer of the toaster. You can get records from them about complaints about similar incidents. You can interview engineers. You can depose them. You can put them on the stand. You you can find out, is the toaster unsafe? Um, You have no right like that in vaccine court. Uh, You cannot compel the production of documents. You do not have the right to interview scientists who've studied this. It is really just a a kangaroo court. And one of the things that, you know, as a lawyer, what you learn is that our legal system has been developed because we believe that it's the best way to get the truth from human beings. And what seemed to happen with this National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act is that we suddenly said to ourselves, oh my God, doctors and scientists, we are not regular human beings who are likely to lie. So we will give them special, you know, godlike powers. Um, and it's just been a disaster. Mm, I'll say, oh my goodness. So you have in here, let's start at the beginning because there is a doctor that you refer to who was heavily prosecuted uh dr andrew j wakefield let's talk about him a little bit yeah so uh dr andrew wakefield is a british uh, gastroenterologist he comes from a long line of uh of physicians and what he had, had done back in 1997 was investigate the uh, mmr vaccine and its connection to autism Um, He had previously investigated the MMR vaccine in relation to Crohn's disease, and there seemed to be a connection there. Um, Strangely enough, even um, his research into the MMR vaccine and Crohn's disease was actually funded by Merck uh, because they had an interest in it because Crohn's disease started appearing in children, which had never been seen before. You know, it's called Crohn's disease, which is supposed to be an older person's disease. And so... What he found is that uh, there were a number of parents who had uh, linked the MMR vaccine with the development of autism in their children. And so he performed what at the time were standard gastroenterologist tests and found that there was the measles virus persisting in their gut, which is not something that should happen. I mean, you should clear the uh, measles virus relatively quickly. And you know, all he did was say this requires further investigation and in an abundance of caution, he suggested that uh, parents uh, vaccinate with a single measles, singles mumps, singles rubella shot. And, you know, maybe it was the, the combination of being exposed to multiple viruses at the same time that was causing this problem. And, and uh, you know, he just he endured just a, a firestorm of uh uh, protest and persecution from the pharmaceutical industry, which mm-hmm. continues to this day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, it seems like the doctors are a bit afraid of the pharmaceuticals for good reason yeah. because of what happened to Dr. Wakefield. Yeah, you know, it's it's really sad when the term Wakefielded um, enters the vernacular. Really? Mm, yeah. So what happened? Um, we didn't really get to make any progress with that for a while, did we? No, and so what really opens the book is what seems to be at first a, a wrong number. Um, it's a call from Dr. William Thompson, who is a senior scientist at the CDC in their vaccine safety division. And he contacted um, an autism parent and also a fellow scientist, uh, Dr. Brian Hooker, who teaches at Simpson University in Northern California. And uh, the two of them had interacted about 10 years ago, and because Brian Hooker was taking the lead in uh, as being a scientist and, and an autism parent in dealing with the CDC, and uh, William Thompson was his opposite number at the CDC. And uh, what apparently seemed to have happened is that Dr. Thompson was suffering from a guilty conscience. Um, what had happened is that the CDC had investigated uh, the MMR vaccine and autism, and they had found a link, and they had covered that link up, and they published the information in an article in Pediatrics, I believe, in 2004, which was a complete lie. I mean, they they deviated from the analysis plan, and, and to make it even more startling, um, they found some of the highest increases among African-American males so that they re really took about a third of the African-American males um, with autism out of the study to, to really kind of lower the incidence rate. Oh, um, so, you know, if we think of something like Tuskegee, you know, which had a couple hundred African-American males who uh, were left untreated for syphilis, this is something with hundreds of thousands of children. Um, and some of the most vulnerable members of our society. The other group that was actually um, highly, uh, highly linked were kids with, with a term that they called isolated autism, meaning that they were normally developing. And so, um, you know, they were normally developing and they, they got autism, which if it's linked to the vaccines, you know, that's the group you would expect. You know, they were absolutely normal, healthy kids. And um, they, they uh, developed autism as a result of their vaccinations. And so what was really interesting is that Hooker had, had been publishing for many years. And, you know, here we are dealing with the CDC, which is a public organization, and they're supposed to be open and transparent with us. And they were hiding all these records. And apparently Thompson was in a position where he had put the files together um, the ones that his coworkers wanted to destroy, he kept copies of, and he was in a position to be something of an information officer. So he told Brian Hooker exactly how to request these data sets from the CDC, and in effect, Thompson was on the other end saying, oh, yes, these have been requested correctly. So he sent them to uh, Brian Hooker, and then Brian Hooker uh, published these, and you know, they spent probably about uh, 10 months uh, communicating. And then finally, Brian Hooker brought 
uh, Andy Wakefield into the conversation. And actually, Andy Wakefield and Bill Thompson um, had several conversations. And, you know, it, it's really interesting because when I look at this, there is, is, you know, and I don't have a better word for it, but there is such evil and wickedness in the active harming of children as has been practiced by the CDC. And yet at the same time, Bill Thompson was was really deeply um, troubled by what he had done. I mean, he, he uh, you know, tried to kill himself twice. He was so despondent over mm. what he had been a part of. So, you know, this is a man who had suffered greatly. And, you know, when I look at these three men, Brian Hooker, Andy Wakefield, and Bill Thompson, I mean, in the midst of this incredible evil, um, these have really been heroic figures. I mean, I found myself, because I interviewed Brian Hooker a lot, I interviewed um, Andy Wakefield a lot, and, you know, I found myself, you know, just spiritually going, I don't know if I could have talked to somebody like Thompson after he'd revealed what he had to me, but Brian Hooker and Andy Wakefield really cared about Thompson as a human being, wish him no harm, but wish this information to come out. So, you know, it's kind of like those stories that you hear about a a parent who, uh, you know, loses a child to a drunk driver and then befriends that drunk driver. And you wonder, where does that goodness come from? Um, And and I I found myself just, you know, humbled really by being able to tell the story of such goodness, you know, in these men who've been persecuted. that, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's a universal story. I mean, you know, it's like Nelson Mandela in South Africa. How, how did we ever avoid a bloodbath in South Africa? Well, only from, you know, the great soul of Nelson Mandela and um, Bishop Desmond Tutu and, and this idea of, you know, we want the truth, but, you know, we mean no harm to those who have participate in atrocities we you know we want truth and reconciliation and uh you know we're not going to stop until we get it wow yeah oh boy that's <laughs> powerful well let's continue on because y- y- the cdc and you have a chapter in your book about the cdc wanting to defend mercury in the vaccine and we all know that mercury is so toxic and I cannot even believe that they would put it even think of putting it into any vaccination yeah it, it, it's really terrible and, and the the chapter on the CDC and uh, uh, mercury is called the CDC runs away to Simpsonwood to defend mercury and vaccines and you know this is another part of this whole issue is that when the CDC realized that they were injecting large amounts of mercury into young children, they did their own study. Again, they found a link. Then they figured, okay, let's meet off-site at this place called Simpsonwood, Georgia, because the, the director of the National Immunization Program, Walter Ornstein, was under this mistaken belief that if they met off-campus, it wouldn't be subject to a freedom of information request. Well, um, it has been released, but it's one of these stories, and that, and I'm I'm so happy that you are 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 championing this story because, you know, 
everybody can go and type into Google Simpsonwood, Georgia, thimerosal, and you can actually read the government document, which is the notes of the two-day meeting of about 50 top scientists and uh, government officials and representatives of pharmaceutical companies, but unfortunately no representatives of the public. So you can go and read the account of this meeting, and it's just horrifying when you you know you read the transcripts of the scientists who were finding a link between mercury and autism and other neurodevelopmental problems, and you get these you know giants of the field saying well, maybe this was a study that shouldn't have been done because to some extent we could have predicted the outcome. And I'm just saying to myself, you know, who are these people? I mean, I I thought this was public health. I thought this was, you know, every human life is, you know, very valuable. And they have no idea. It's not even that you can say to yourself, well, they're making... They're making a calculated decision that they're going to suffer these kinds of losses because they think they're going to have these kinds of benefits. What's truly evil to me is they don't even know what those numbers are, and yet they're saying, let's do it, and they're just assuming that it works out. I mean, you know, we're supposed to have informed consent, and, you know, one of the things that um, was in the um, Nuremberg Code after World War II is that we have to have something called informed consent. Well, if we don't have the information, we can't give informed consent. And so it, it was terrifying to me to realize that what is really happening is that there is this small cabal of government and uh, industry scientists who are keeping this information not just from the public, they're keeping it from other health professionals and other scientists. Because, you know, I got to tell you, I, I have a lot of friends who are in medicine, and they are the most caring and kind people I have ever met in my life. They are healers. And, you know, it's not just that this small cabal of scientists um, and drug manufacturers have lied to the public. It, they've lied to the, their fellow members in science and medicine. And so, you know, (laughs) I've already been disillusioned, but I think that there's a great number of the public that, you know, when they read my book, and, and, you know, I really write it in a very even-handed way. I just, I know where the evidence leads me, um, that that they're going to be profoundly shocked by by what's gone on. And uh, it's going to cause them to look around at their schools and their communities in a different light and say, oh my God, we have all these victims here that I really didn't know were victims. Right, right. Yeah, and even if they do not get autisms, I know uh, another grandson of mine has severe allergies, severe other things, and he was just, he had so many vaccinations. He is short compared to his other brothers who are very tall. So it it's really it does harm to everyone, not just through what you see with autism. It affects every child. It's yeah, not you know, good. Well, you know, just make it really simple. So many of the diseases that are on the dramatic rise are the result of the body 
doing the immune system of the body doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, a peanut is not a dangerous thing. But if your body perceives it as a dangerous thing, it takes all these actions which end up harming it. Um, You know, same thing with diabetes, same thing with Alzheimer's disease. I mean, these are autoimmune conditions. Well, should we really be surprised that, you know, the autoimmune system of our population is going crazy when we're mucking around with so many vaccines? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's really it's really simple in my mind. You know, what's wrong? Oh, my autoimmune system is off. Oh, okay, what things have we done to mess with the autoimmune system? Vaccines. Please. I mean, yeah. It's really, you know, vaccines, pollutants, that that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm I'm all about cleaning up the environment and everything, but you know, if you tell me mercury in the air is uh, dangerous, well, I think injecting it into a child's bloodstream is, is dangerous too. Exactly. And and a lot of the other things that are in there that, you know, don't get talked about enough. Okay, so we know, and I think a lot of the listeners already have an inkling that it's poison. So what's the view from Congress? Why can't we get Congress to even start talking about it? Well, you know, one of the really interesting things and a surprise of my book is when I investigated Congress, I found that actually Congress has done a pretty good job in trying to investigate this. Really? The problem. The problem is, yeah, there have been some really great people, um, Dan Burton, uh, Dave Weldon, um, uh, Bill Posey, Carolyn Maloney, who's a Democrat, um, have really done some some great things. Even um, uh, Jason Chaffetz's office is now actively investigating the whistleblower problem. Um, and, and so Congress has done a good job. The problem is – and. You know, for example, Dan Burton's committee uh, released a, a, a devastating document called Mercury in Medicine um, about mercury in, in vaccines. And it is everything that a person like me thinks is true and should be done and great recommendations. But the media didn't cover it at all. Um, oh. they, don't, they, don't, they don't cover it because if, you know, diff, different people will give different numbers, but you hear – Kind of when it's not an election time, you probably have 60 to 70 percent of the advertising dollars to the networks come through pharmaceuticals. Exactly. So we, we just can't get the media to cover it. So we really do have some good people in Congress. And like I said, that was a surprise to me. Um, but they're not getting any traction. Wow. They're because of the media. OK. Well, that makes perfect sense. Um, so. Let's let's. I, I, I got to tell you, your book is so mind blowing. I just I, I I've never seen a book that reveals so much information, and it's life changing information. It's life changing. It's world changing, actually, for us to finally know the truth. And I want to talk about um, uh, De Niro and. Um, because he came out, he was persecuted for trying to show the film Vax, right? Yeah. So, so let me back up a little bit. What, okay. what was really kind of kind of funny to me in all of this is when the whistleblower story broke and it kind of broke in our community and it got a little bit of attention in the media and then was shut down. And 
you know, I kept waiting for somebody to tell the whole story. I was like, well, I, God, I got to read this whole story. I got to know what's going on with this thing. And then nothing happened and nothing happened. And so I finally got to that place where I said, okay, I guess I got to tell this story because I'd written a book called, previous book called Plague with Dr. Judy Mikevitz, which touched on chronic fatigue syndrome and autism. And, you know, she had been persecuted in a very similar way to Andy Wakefield. So I felt like I had started to develop the um, investigative and writing chops to take on this story. And so, you know, I contacted Brian Hooker and found out he was a fan of my writing from the website Age of Autism, and, and he agreed to, to collaborate with me in the writing of this book so I could interview him a lot. Um, I did the same thing with Andy Wakefield, um, and so well, it was kind of funny because during one of the interviews that I had with Wakefield, he says, you know, he's, he's a very proper you know, he's got this wonderful Shakespearean voice. I just have to say that he, you know, he's a tall, handsome guy with this Shakespearean voice, you know, you know, speaks with such authority. And, you know, it's almost like you're listening to the voice of God. And so, (laughs) so he goes, you know, Kent, uh, I, I'm working on a documentary about this. I'm like, oh, great, Andy, you know, maybe our projects will mutually reinforce each other. And then, so lo and behold, Vax comes out. And for your listeners who don't know the story, what happened is um, Brian Hooker legally recorded several conversations with the whistleblower William Thompson. And in addition to all the other documents that Thompson turned over, not only to Thompson, uh, not only to Hooker, but to Congress in the form of uh, Congressman William Posey's office, then um, they put this documentary together called Vax from Cover Up to Catastrophe. And so they sent it out for the Tribeca Film Festival and they got accepted by the Tribeca Film Festival. And it it was really sort of amusing um, because what happened was uh, the producers of the film kept wanting to contact Tribeca and really have a discussion with them and say, look, you guys just accepted a really controversial film. When you announce that our film has been accepted, you're going to get a lot of flack and we just want you to be ready. And, you know, so they, they had like all these ideas, like maybe you just say it's a mystery screening at the end of the film festival. Maybe, you know, maybe you don't even announce it. And so the, the people at the festival were like, oh, no, we're, we're Tribeca. Look, we, we, we do, you know, cutting edge stuff. We're used to controversy. Well, lo and behold, when they announced it, what happened was so they announced it like on a Monday or a Tuesday. Um, by Friday, it had become such a big issue that the New York Times was covering it. De Niro came out on a Friday and said, you know, he announced, told the world that he has an autistic son who's 18 years old. Um, His wife is African-American, so there's a real also Mm -hmm. connection there. Um, And he said, we're standing behind this film and we're going to show it. Um, And my wife, you know, I guess he had been working kind of when his son got his shot. So um, he, he says, my wife completely believes that he is vaccine injured. Um, so so on a Friday, De Niro's defending it. And then by Saturday, they'd beaten him down. And he says, well, you know, we're, we're going to pull it. And everybody was thinking like, ah, oh, geez, you know, if we can't get De Niro to stand up for us, who can stand up for us? Really? And then, you know, to his credit, De Niro came back and, and in an interview on uh, Good Morning America, and, and this is covered in the book, you know, it says, I think I made the wrong call on it. 
um, it's something that people should see. And to really drive, you know, everybody who's crazy, uh, he said, I am going to be putting together a documentary on vaccines and autism with Harvey Weinstein. So, you know, De Niro faltered, but De Niro came back and uh, um, it was kind of funny because I talked with the producer and I, I said, you know, kind of give me what your thought process was when all this was going on. And he said, well, at, at first I thought, great, we got into Tribeca. And then he goes, oh, now my career is over. And then he said, <laughs> And then he, he thought to himself, well, wait, a lot of people get into Tribeca, but nobody's ever been kicked out. I can turn this into a plus. So, you, you know, the, the, I guess that's a Hollywood mentality, right? Nothing is ever a, a disaster. It's just another obstacle to overcome. So as a result, the, the film has been shown in a couple hundred theaters in the United States. I think probably over 100,000 people have seen it in the theaters and the uh, DVD is selling like crazy on Amazon. And so, you know, I, I kind of say that I, I think that inoculated is the second stage of this rocket that Vax started, um, you know, because a film can only, you know, cover about five, say about 5,000 words in, in an hour and a half. And, you know, the book's a little over a hundred thousand words. So, you know, I, I kind of feel like for those who have heard Vax, um, we're seeing it. Um, this, you know, goes into it uh, at a much deeper level, and and uh, you know, goes a, a cup into a couple unexpected places. Like, for example, one of the unexpected places I think that people will be surprised that I went to is I actually contacted one of the senior judges in the vaccine court, and I conducted a long interview with him, only to find out that he doesn't think that the vaccine court is working very well. Um, same thing with a Stanford law professor who has studied uh, the vaccine court. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of scary to, to see how terrified people are mm. um, of saying the wrong thing because, you know, here's this professor at Stanford Law School. And, and so so I, I'd i said, here's... It's okay, I can edit that out. Okay, hold on just a second. <laughs> so here's this professor at Stanford Law School, and, and just to show you how terrified people get of it, you know, you think if you're at Stanford Law, law School, uh, you know, you, you think you've you got some some wiggle room. So, I, I, you know, in the course of this interview, I said, okay, so you, you studied the uh, vaccine court, right? Yes, I have. Okay, do you think it works well? No, I think it works terrible. Um, do you think it serves as a model for any other courts? No, I think it really works terrible. Oh, okay. Do you think we should get rid of the vaccine court? Well, I don't want to say that. <laughs> I'm just like, she says, I don't feel qualified to give an answer to that question. And I'm thinking, if I can't get a Stanford law professor to say they feel qualified to give an answer to a question, something is really wrong. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. So... I, I, I want to move on here and talk about, I mean, your book is so incredible. The Battle for California, America, and My Hometown is <laughs> um, uh, a chapter in your book. And, okay, tell us what this is about. Well, you know, it, it just, it seems like, you know, in um, August, 
and September of the year, a lot of things were coming to a head. You know, we were fight we're fighting against SB 277, and there are a couple of lawsuits that are in the works. So I cover that. Um, you know, that was also the time during which the Vax team, uh, including uh, Del Bigtree, who is the producer of Vaxed, and he's an Emmy award-winning producer, worked on the Doctors for many years. Uh, they met with Congressman Jason Chaffetz um, for about an hour and a half um, to talk about the whistleblower story because it's under the um, uh, the auspices of the House Oversight Committee, which Jason Chaffetz uh, manages, and. You know, and there was also the very personal thing of me putting together my own screening of Baxed in my hometown because I wanted uh, people to see it, you know. Um, And and it was interesting because I had some friends and family members who just would not even give me the time of day, wouldn't even spend the money to go and see the film. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, what is going on with this? And, you know, I, I... I know that this is my life, um, but, you know, I really try to write the book in sort of an even-handed fashion that, mm-hmm. you know, here, I'm just doing an investigation, you know. Um, I think one of the best things, that piece of advice I ever got in law school was that a law professor had said to me that if you, if you, if you bring a case, if you go to trial and you do your job the right way, the jury will feel that they've been educated and that they can then deliver a verdict that's in accordance with their own sense of justice. Exactly. And, I've al- and I've always felt that way in, in my writing. So, you know, I'm, I'm just – a lot of it is – of my book is interviews with people. It's going to official documents. I, You know, I jokingly say, you know, I go full Edward Snowden in this story because <laughs> – because I apply to Congress for access to documents, and then I'm granted access to those documents, and then I write about them. You know, it, it, it's – I just feel like I'm, I'm doing the job that people like 60 Minutes used to do 20 or 30 years That's ago. That's right. And, and so, you know, I'm not trying to, to be crazy, you know. I I drive people crazy because I've got so many damn footnotes. Um, but I, I just kind of feel like if I'm telling you something, I want you to know where it came from. So, you know, don't believe me. Go and check it out. Yeah, do research. You will find out what is really going on. And this leads me to something that just happened um, with the elections. And I know that I got a lot of grief from a lot of listeners about Trump. But Mm -hmm. I remember seeing that debate where he was the only person that really started talking about vaccinations. And I just, that's what changed my mind about him at that point. He was brave enough to start talking about it. And then there was Dr. Ben Carson, who I absolutely adore, but who would who couldn't back up what Donald Trump was trying to convey. So you have an unbelievable story. And would you mind talking about the Trump meets Dr. Wakefield? Yeah, love to. So probably about uh, two or three months ago, 
um, I started seeing on some of our blogs just sort of like cryptic messages to why Trump was so good and, and our community should support him and everything. And, and then Andy Wakefield had, had said some things. And, you know, I'd interviewed him a couple times, and I, I'm friends with him. So I called him up and I said, okay, Andy, what's all this about you meeting with Trump? Is this real? And he goes, yes, it is. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Uh, and so I, I said, okay, we got to have another interview. So, you know, I interviewed him. And so, you know, for your listeners, uh, um, and I actually have an article out on the Bolin Report called Trump Meets Dr. Wakefield, which uh, has the first couple pages of the book. But what had happened is there's a, a guy out in Florida called Dr. Gary Kompothrakis. Mm-hmm. Um, he's well known in Florida for the Ask Gary hotline. He's a chiropractor by training who's put together a number of clinics for um, to kind of bring a lot of disciplines together for when people are injured in auto accidents. And he's got some vaccine injured children. So he had spent a lot of time uh, with uh, trying to influence members of the Florida legislature, uh, Governor Christ, Governor Scott, and um, he had gotten to know Donald Trump and they had talked sometimes about a couple times about vaccines and autism and you know Compothrakis was just stunned that Trump was so willing to not only talk about it but to tweet out that you know he thinks that you know the vaccine schedule for our children's is crazy and you know and, and you know Trump didn't go you know isn't at the place I'm at he just thinks right. you need to space him out um, but oh my god I, I've been waiting for somebody to actually have a a, a conversation with me about it and and the, our entire community has been waiting for somebody to actually have a conversation with us and so you know lo and behold um gary compothrakis set up a meeting with trump and with wakefield um august 11th in uh Kimisee, florida um and they, this last august yeah, this last august yeah and, and so basically um trump said I know that what you guys are talking about is real. I've seen it with people I know. Um, yeah. And then he was asked specifically, will you watch Vaxxed? And Trump said, yes, I will. And he he'd said, you are going to love what I do with autism. But he had asked the members there to kind of keep it quiet because if he didn't get elected, he couldn't do anything. And so – you know, I had really been terrified that, you know, the story would leak. And so I was keeping really quiet. I, I even kept it from my agent and my publicist until just about two or three three weeks before. And so I had said to my um, uh, the publisher, I said, there's something I want to add to the book that you don't know about. But I can't write that section until after November 9, November 8th. Um, so I said, please forgive me. And, you know, but I really need to do this because if it works out, it's an amazing, you know, end to the book, you know, or end of that chapter or end of that part of the story and gives such hope to people. Um, yeah. And so, so – you know, and you know the thing I, that I just want to say is that so many members of our autism community are not Republican or not conservative, and so you know I I completely understand that it's maybe difficult for them, but you know I, I kind of jokingly said to a couple of them I said look I'll, I'll make you a deal you know 
you vote for Trump this time, I'll vote Democrat the next four or five times, okay? But we just really need this, you know, unless we're protecting our children, nothing else matters. And that's so true, because on that stage with 17 other candidates on there, 16, he was the only one that spoke to even question what was going on with the vaccinations. And he cited his own child, Barron, uh, that just got this whole deluge of vaccinations. And it's just like, wow. But then he goes on and I think he had to keep everything quiet and not really talk about it. But that's when my eyes took off. That's when I thought, okay, there's something about him that we need to listen to. And then on the other side, and I don't want to talk bad about Hillary or anything like that, but she was for the vaccinations. Well, I, I think one of the most disturbing things, and, and again, you know, really understand, I want your listeners to understand, I, I've been working on this book up until the last couple of weeks, but one of the WikiLeaks that came out yes. concerned vaccines and autism, and it, and I included in the book, but to me, it's like one of the most cynical documents I've ever seen because it it details how in 2008, Hillary had said that vaccines and autism need to be investigated. Obama had said that. Obama had promised an autism czar, which he never delivered. John McCain actually said that vaccine there was strong evidence that vaccines were linked to autism. All of them ran away from it. You know, at the beginning of this election cycle, I'd really kind of liked Rand Paul because I kind of find right. myself being much more of a libertarian. Right, and, you know, members members of our community had actually – I was actually going to write a book for Rand Paul. Um, uh, but one of our uh, – some members of our community had met with them to ta- ta- tell them all about the vaccine issue, you know, it, you know, educate them on it. And – he comes out and he, you know, says some things basically that, oh, I, you know, I just, I don't think that people should be forced to take vaccines if they don't want it, that, that we should have freedom. Well, he got attacked so viciously that, you know, three days later, he gets his picture taken getting a flu, a booster shot. And, and I, I just found myself going like, wow. you know, how gutless are you, mm-hmm. you know? And it really sort of um, turned me off to him. And I, I was very happy that uh, even though I had a contact contract to write the book, um, you know, he was doing so poorly that he was one of the first to drop out. So, you know, I told the publisher, hey, look, no book. Okay. <laughs> He's leaving because um, I, I, you know, I would have expected libertarian. You know, it, it's kind of funny. You know, it's a weird alliance of people that get into this issue. You know, I, I find myself more libertarian, conservative. But, you know, you would think that, you know, the liberal side would, you know, uh, you know, liberals would find the fact that these corporations have such unlimited power to be threatening to them. Um, you know, you would think that People like vegans would object to the fact that there are animal products in these. You know, you would think that Muslims would object to the fact that there are pork products in this. You know, we're supposed to have so much freedom these days, but in some ways it, it, it seems like, you know, the repression around this issue is, is just dramatic. Well, and, uh, you would think that the liberals would be really open to helping 
babies <laughs> to yeah. to seeing them thrive because as Hillary said it takes a village but yeah. as the village were really kind of hurting them dramatically well, so I, I, I mean as as the liberals have done such great work in and publicizing you know corruption among corporations right. and you know, demand for GMO labeling you know, you would just think that this would be a natural fit for them. But for some reason, there's there's this, you know, there's this block there that I, I don't quite understand. I also think that, again, it's the media who has manipulated and kept this hidden. Yeah. That, um, the liberals, the libertarians, everyone is still not aware of what is going on and that's why your book is so important it really details out exactly and you know today there are so many reports about fake news but with you you're a lawyer and a science educator a teacher and you're putting everything together this is not fake news this is the news that we've been waiting for yep and we've got to get it out. If anything, I don't care who you are, what your beliefs are, but we have an obligation to make sure that kids of all colors are protected. Yeah, I, you know, I just kind of say to myself, you know, it, it's nerve-wracking thinking about taking such a public stand, but... You know, someday I'm going to stand before God and I feel like God is going to ask me, what did you do when this crisis arose? And uh, I want to have a good answer. I agree. Now, tell me one thing. Why did Hillary and when they brought it up in 2008 and, and Obama and getting the autistic task force and everything, why did that not proceed? Uh, you know, I think they ran into uh, uh, opposition from industry. Okay. And the one thing about Trump, he doesn't he he doesn't care. <laughs> He's going to go for it. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 you know, it, it I find myself at a weird place because I I really don't like to trust in politicians. Maybe. You know, I I'm I'm at that age where I just say, you know, I I've been disappointed too many times. But yeah, the the other point of me is just you know cheering him on and hoping that you know he follows through with his promises because he also promised to continue to meet with our community. So I'm hoping one day uh, you know I'm in the Oval Office with him. Oh gosh, that would be great. Yeah, hopefully hopefully it'll be a better world coming up. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, and part of the law of attraction is that that's our intention. No matter who is in opposition to what, all of our intentions should be to make it a better world. And um, that's what you're doing, and I can't thank you enough. This is a fantastic book. I want to promote it. I want to do everything I can to get it into people's homes. And again, it shouldn't just be in the homes in the United States. It needs to be in Canada. It needs to be in Europe. It needs to be in Australia. Everywhere. This has got to go big time so that it, everybody it, knows. This is about the human race. It is. And, you know, I, I don't like to be overly dramatic, but I, that that's an accurate description. Yeah. It, this is big. So um, 
your book once again is called Inoculated, How Science Lost Its Soul in Autism, Ken Heckin Lively. Go on to Amazon and order it and drive it up the bestseller list. You got it. We're going to do that. So, Ken, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time and thank you again. All right. Thank you, Jules. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.